Welcome to the No Clue Podcast, episode 172. I'm Tyler, one of your hosts. Today we have a packed episode. Mike will be on later, but we have two guests today. First off, we have Jessica, aka J. Michelle from the Hoop Love Podcast, coming to talk about women's basketball tournament. Me and her will break down the bracket, teams we like, players to watch, predictions, all that good stuff, all the stuff we love about March Madness. Then later on, our resident college basketball analyst, Tyler Crook and Mike will break down the men's bracket, players to watch, some teams you may have never seen before. Tyler is always good for that. And all the things that help you fill out your bracket uh, to have a whole lot of fun this year. March Madness is always fun, man. Love doing this special. Um, hope you like it too. Now, let's get into me and Jess. Welcome to our women's basketball segment of the No Clue Podcast, episode 172. I'm your host, I'm Tyler. I'm here with one of my dear friends, uh, great basketball mind, great basketball player. Um, introduce yourself. Absolutely. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Jessica, aka J. Michelle, and I am the host and creator of the WNBA podcast entitled Hoop Love. It's your basketball podcast for all things WNBA. So super excited to be here today to hop on with you, Tyler, and let's talk some women's basketball. Let's talk about it. The bracket is out. Um, the tournaments are great, great tournaments. I went to the ACC tournament. It was amazing. Um, man, it, I'm excited for this. Really, Absolutely. really excited. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think March Madness is going to be fun. It's always a good time of year for basketball and uh, the women's tournament. I think it's going to be super, super steamy this year. So I'm excited. Looking forward to it. For sure. For sure. So tell me, um, tell me what you think about the bracket. First reactions. Man, first reactions. Like I said, March Madness is one of my favorite times of the year. And this one definitely promises to be a, a good one as well. You know, looking at all four of the regions, I'm like, man, can I get tickets to all four to be to all the games in person? That would be right. super dope. But, you yeah, know, taking, yeah. you know, hey, first first look at the bracket, my first reaction, it's going to be a good one. Um, there's a lot of matchups that I'm definitely looking forward to. So it's going to be a good tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so what do you think is the toughest bracket? Let's start there. Man, you know, like I said, they're all good. But I got to say that I feel that it's the Wichita region for me, honestly. I mean, there's so many good teams, you know, in that region, and it's really yeah. anybody's game in each round. I mean, in that one bracket or in that one region, rather, the Wichita region, I mean, you've got Louisville, you've got Tennessee, you've got Michigan, you've got Baylor, and that's just to name a few. So I'm definitely excited to, uh, you know, keep an eye on that region. I think it's the toughest. I mean, I think they have the most competitive uh, I think that bracket is going to definitely be the most competitive. I think other regions eh, could be a little bit of an easy road in quotes, right? It's never easy, but I think the Wichita region is definitely, definitely one of the tougher brackets or the tougher regions. And you say that because of the teams, you think, or the players? or Absolutely. I think because of the teams. I mean, those teams in particular, right, they're playing their top basketball at the right time of the season. You know, yeah. March Madness is high stakes, so I'm definitely getting my popcorn. I'm ready for it. Okay, okay. I, I was looking at, for me, I think the Spokane region is, is going to be serious because I see a lot of teams that are 
kind of low that could beat a big team, you know, a higher seeded team. And I see these um, coaches, great, great coaches in that region. Brenda Freeze, Kim Mulkey at LSU now, Vic Schaefer at Texas. Those, uh, it, man, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. You can't go wrong with any of the regions. But I, I'm most uh, excited to watch that one, I think. But the Wichita region, like you said, you got other teams like Oregon, who I'm going to get into later, Michigan, like you said. Ole Miss is underrated. Yeah, yeah it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a ride. It's going to be yeah, a ride. Yeah, absolutely. And if I can just jump in, the, the Ole Miss – is one I want to point out. I personally called them the comeback kids. I mean, they're all, you know, they're down, but not in their spirit, right? They're always fighting. They're always pushing back and they're giving teams a good run for their money. So, yeah, yeah. you know, Coach Yo's got those girls hooping. So that's going to be definitely, definitely a team to watch. Yeah, for sure. So give me some of your most surprising seedings that you thought maybe were too high or too low. Um, it could be based on injuries, record, um, the record could be, you know, competition or whatever. Which one? Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to start here, Tyler, with the SEC team that I want to highlight. I think one of the more surprising seedings for me was definitely the Kentucky Wildcats. I mean, of course, yes. they just won the SEC. And yeah. it's, it's it's kind of a tough situation, right? Because, you know, I, I watch the SEC a lot. You know, that's one of my favorite – actually, is my favorite women's college conference, the SEC. But I got to say that Kentucky, they're, you know, a sixth seed. Um, you know, in that Bridgeport region, I believe it is. And it's like, yeah. you know, it, it's a tricky thing, though, because they've played, you know, their, their, their record was only 19 and 11 on the season. You know, yeah. they finished number 15 in the country. However, they've really, really heated up and really hit their stride, you know, down the stretch of the regular season going yeah. into the SEC tournament. And it's tough because I know the committee is having to kind of zoom out and look at it. OK, all things considered from their season, not just right the latter part of it. So it's definitely a tough one, but I got to say, Kentucky, man, they should have, I think, at least been a three or four seed, but that's just me. It, no, you, you're right. Um, they dealt with a lot of injuries that made them lose uh, a lot of games towards the middle of the season. They started off good. In the middle of the season, they lost a lot of games. I think um, they were missing Howard and Masson. Is it Masson Gill? They were missing two starters at one point. And, Absolutely. I mean, it, the committee – it is hard for them to look at that and say, well, if they were there, you, you get into that situation, but you, you're completely right. Now that they're full strength going into the tournament, they looked great in the SEC tournament. Uh, I, I'm with you. They're definitely low. They could surprise teams and make it really far. Yeah, definitely absolutely. And, and I have to put out, put this out there too. I think that Tennessee, right. With them being a four seed, they, mm -hmm. I think have, I will say this. I think that them being a number four seed is not bad placement, right, considering their overall season. But yeah. it's tricky because now they're playing without Jordan Horston, who's injured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's missed at least the last, what, two, three, four weeks of the regular season. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I think that they're well placed as far as their seeding, but with that key player as a huge dominating part of their offense yeah. out due to injury, it's going to be interesting right for the Tennessee Volunteers, I think. It, you're you're completely right. I think she was leading them in rebounds and points at the mm -hmm. time she got injured. So they're definitely at risk of getting uh, what would seem like an upset, but without her is really isn't that big of an upset. Absolutely. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Most situations, she's the best player on the floor. Um, who else? Who else? Any more? 
Man, I got to tell you this, and, and I'm going to say one more thing about Tennessee before I get uh-huh. to that next point is one thing that I think Tennessee has on their side, right? Yeah, Jordan Horston is out. She's a big part of what their offensive and defensive plans are. However, uh-huh. they've got players on their team that are stepping up at the right time. You know, Ray Burrell, you know, Tamari Key in the paint. So I yes. think that their coach has some good weapons on the team still remaining. But how do they shift and come together at this time where you got to turn it up? Or if you yeah. lose, your season's over. So it's going to be fun to watch, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Having that go-to player and then transitioning into balance is tough. And we, and we know as basketball players, it's never easy to Absolutely. fill that kind of hole. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, I'm going to go back to your question here. So the other seating that kind of surprised me is Baylor. Baylor's mm-hmm. had a good season. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm looking at this correctly, right? They're a two seed in the Wichita yeah. region. And I'm like, eh, are they really a two seed? However, Nalissa Smith is coming to prove a point this season, right? She's saying, hey, yeah. I should be the number one draft pick in the WNBA. Strap up and get ready because I'm going to show you why. And so I think for that reason, should they really be a two seed? I don't know if I think they should be. However, again, that's another team that, you know, all people are clicking at the right time and they could be a dangerous team to watch in their bracket or in their region as well. Exactly. Yeah. They, they might've gotten ranked because they have, I mean, they might've got a seeded two because they have the best player in the bracket <laughs> possibly. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're right though. You're right. Cause they, they had times where they look like they might be getting exposed by some really good teams that are more balanced. They don't have to, uh, score inside as much because we know that's Melissa Smith owns the paint any game they play in. Um, so when other teams are really have really strong guards, good scoring guards, they do struggle. So that's a good point. They may be they may be at risk as well. Um, Absolutely, I, and and let's not forget about the bitter way that their March Madness ended last year in that game against Michigan, I believe it was. And it's funny because I'm looking at my bracket and I'm like. I kind of want to see that match up again as yeah. we kind of get, you know, more, more, more deep, you know, into the, into those games in that Wichita region. And I think that it's going to really be interesting because, you know, again, Baylor is one of those teams that they're trying to prove a point. And so they're like, Hey, people might think we shouldn't have been at second seed, but we're going to show you why. And everybody yeah. that's coming to play us, you better get ready. Right. Yep. So for me, I, I was looking at the, what region is this? the Greensboro region mm-hmm. and I- Iowa state seated third. Iowa state is a good team. They're the best three point shooting team in the country, but when they face a team that is athletic, they get exposed every single time. And usually their best competition are the games that they lost. And then, you know, teams that aren't very good shooting teams, they could shoot out the gym. I think they set a record for threes. Um, and a half this year. Uh, so I think they're a team that a scrappy Georgia team. Um, who else is in their bracket? Iowa, of course. They don't have anyone that can guard. They don't play very good defense. They mm-hmm. kind of play um, what, <laughs> what people are really critical about the Warriors playing, where we're just going to shoot, outshoot you, outscore you every game. And, you know, in March Madness, that doesn't work a lot of times. Yeah, that's right. And here's the key, right? If your shots are falling, it's a beautiful thing. But if they're not, what is your, you know, what else can your offense provide, right? And so that's the tricky part about it. And, you know, Iowa, that's another team I would agree with you, right? Are they really a three seed? 
I don't know that I think they are, but, you know, Caitlin Clark, you know, on that team, I think that, you know, she gets a little bit of undershine, you know, because yeah. she's you know a great player, great three point shooter, but right. she's not on, you know, the top, you know, they're not even in the top five, right. In, in, in the uh, top 25 in the country, but right. You know, we'll see what they do. And like you said, they can shoot your lights out, but you know, those shots aren't always going to fall when you want and need them to. So what else do they have to rely on? You know, we'll, we'll see if they're able to keep up. Right. And you know, Iowa and Iowa state are in the same bracket and they could meet and that's two teams that shoot very well. They actually, Iowa actually has a transfer from Iowa state right. on that starts. Um, <laughs> that could be a real shootout, but again, both teams are when it comes to athletic players um other athletic teams that don't need the three-point shot they have they have a hard time and neither yeah. team is very good on defense so i think both of them are very um maybe a little bit high but i think they're high because you know the committee probably wants to see players like ashley jones from iowa state and obviously uh clark kent caitlin clark in the final four so absolutely yeah all right um any other any other seeds that were interesting to you um i think those were the interesting ones to me i mean i'll say this you know another one i'm watching is georgia right they are a serious competitor you know in the yeah. sec and i think they are you know teams may look at them okay they're a six seed yeah i mean i think their seeding is appropriate you know but mm-hmm. Joni taylor's got those girls playing i mean they've got what's the young lady's name um q morrison of course jenna stady and yep. several others, you know, on that team. And those girls are very well coached. They're athletic. Their defense is nasty. So I'm like, hey, you coming through Georgia, you better get ready. Because yeah, that's a are- team that could catch some off guard, right, who are unfamiliar, which is another crazy part of March Madness. You're not yeah. playing teams that you're comfortable with or that you know, right, what they do and how they operate. So you really got to stick to the bread and butter of what you do, and that's going to get you the win. Exactly. And that team, that scrappy team, that they're the ones that would be Iowa State, would be Iowa, because right. they come after you the whole game, and they have a lot of fire. The bench is always riled up. I, I love mm-hmm. watching them play. It, it's a fun culture out there. Absolutely, yes. That that would definitely be a fun matchup to see if they were playing either Iowa State um, or Iowa. That that would be a good one. But I think Georgia would take it. But we'll see what you know. We'll see what happens. Anything can happen. Yes. <laughs> All right, so give me some players to watch. For those who may not have been following women's college basketball as much as we have, uh, I have a couple of players. Give me some of your players that you're really looking to see that can make a big difference, um, offense, defense, maybe the X factor for a team. Give me some players. All right, sure. I've got a few of them here for you. And, of course, i got to start with Ryan Howard from Kentucky, right? I mean, she yes. – is one that to me has a really strong game. But I will say for me personally anyway, the missing piece of her game, and maybe people think I'm crazy for this, but I just got to say it and keep it real. The missing piece for me in Ryan Howard's game is that takeover factor, right? When her team really needs her to step up. It's like for me, you know, when the lights are on, she's ready to play. But I'm like, you got to do that dirty work throughout the season to really let people know, right, that you about it. So that to me is the missing piece, right? And sometimes I would even say, you know, a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of nonchalant, you know, in her game as well, her demeanor, but the girl can play. There's no doubt about it. And again, coming off of the SEC championship win right over South Carolina, no less. Kentucky yeah. is hot right now. And I think that Ryan Howard is definitely going to, you know, <laughs> she's definitely going to suit up 
and lace up the tennis shoes and really she's going to be ready to play and make some noise in this tournament. She she is tough. I mean, wingspan, she has range, mm-hmm. she can handle the ball, play every position. I'm completely completely with you because it is the fourth quarters down the stretch where yeah, she's she's out there but she doesn't demand the ball. They end up having a lot of turnovers. They don't really she doesn't come get it from her players and they just keep running the offense. So, yeah. I think she, this is the time where she, they really will need her to step up and be the go-to guy of the team. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think for any of the WNBA scouts that have questions, they will be watching. So now is the time to turn it on and show what you got. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the, with mine. Um, Virginia Tech, Elizabeth Kitley. Mm-hmm. I, I think that women's college basketball this year has been such a great year for the big girls, for the the centers, the power forwards. And Elizabeth Kitley, most most say she has the best footwork in college basketball. She has been dominant all season. She's a mismatch. She, I mean, she can score from anywhere in the paint, outside the paint. She's just, she's a beast on the boards, um, both hands, hooks both ways. I think she's someone who can really change a game offensively and defensively she averages three blocks a game um i think she's going to be scary for anyone any team that faces her in uh the spokane region oh yeah absolutely and i love that you brought her up because i think this has been the year of the post players and the thing about it is right they're able to do more than just you know put their back to the basket right we're seeing more post players that can step out make the mid-range shot you know come set a screen in the high paint and get their player open and, you know, dish and pass the ball. So, you yep. know, she's another one of those players that, you know, can fly under your radar, but if you know her, you know, she's good. Yeah. Great vision. She's someone who likes to start to play from the top of the key, um, high screen and rolls. So yeah, she, she's my first player to watch. Who's next? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to follow you on that note. And I want to talk about Angel Reese from Maryland. I mean, she has such an athletic frame. She moves well, and she's just such a dominant presence on the floor for the Terrapins. And I mean, whatever her team needs, Angel is going to deliver. So I definitely think she's another one that could fly under people's radar. And, you know, they wouldn't know her. But if you play against her, you definitely know who she is. And you know that you've got to be on her. And they're set up for that four or five matchup in the second round. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be amazing. That would be really, really, really fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, my next one is a guard, uh, Tahina Pow Pow from Oregon. Oh yes. And she is the ultimate X factor for this team. She's someone who can explode scoring wise. She she her averages weren't as high as I think it looks like when you're watching her because her points are always spectacular. She's quick. She just does a lot for this team as far as facilitating and as far as being a scoring threat. I think she's someone that could really change games for Oregon's team throughout the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you need, right? Always. And particularly during this time of year. And I mean, she's that player that's going to step up and give you exactly what the team needs. So it's going to be fun to watch her. Yep, she's a big time momentum player um, next to Sedona Prince, the their um, post, and who's been consistent all season. But it's those games where 
Pow Pow steps up that they really um, beat the teams that they may not be supposed to beat. You know, um, that's how they upset teams during the season. So we'll see how that works during the tournament. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a good one. Who's next? So I'm going to go. We talked about her a little bit earlier. Um, oh. I have Caitlin Clark on my list as well, but we'll, that's the one we just talked about a little bit earlier. But I want to also, you know, we can't, can't forget about, about Yes, I mean, you cannot say enough about Caitlin Clark. But before we get to her, I want to also talk about um, Nalissa Smith from Baylor. She's another oh, yeah. one that's trying to, you know, really, I'll say, solidify why she's not only a WNBA player, but should be a top pick. And maybe yeah. even in some people's mind, the number one pick. I mean, she is a phenomenal player. She's had a phenomenal senior season. And, you know, she just hit recently in the uh, in their Big 12 championship game. Unfortunately, they lost, but she hit the 2000 career point mark. And I just love the versatility in her game. You know, you yep. look at her and say, oh, okay, you know, she's a forward, but, you know, she can get the rebound, take it coast to coast, yes. either dish to an open teammate or continue and make her own shot, you know, take and make her own shot. And so I think she really shakes up and she will challenge other teams' defenses, right? You know, if yep. you're a big player, you may not be accustomed to guarding, a, 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 you know, another post player who can also play like a guard, right? That's a serious challenge. And so you yes. might put so much attention on her she's still going to get her points but she also was good at finding her teammates as well and when you leave Baylor shooters open I don't think that's something you want to do right she is so athletically gifted it is just ridiculous and the more you watch her the more you realize she has way more elements in her game and has improved every single season she has like a turnaround fadeaway now she has hooks on both sides she doesn't just use her athleticism anymore now she has these post moves she has these lookoffs, these passes uh, i mean she's another one i cannot say enough about she <laughs> she's just ridiculous it, seriously she's great 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 yeah. player oh yeah absolutely and i think because she doesn't have the flash of a caitlin clark or a Paige beckers who are obviously amazing players as well but she doesn't have the guard flash so you don't really get to see how incredible she is until you see her uh matched up with another really good post which she's definitely gonna have to run into throughout this tournament especially in their bracket oh yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah their region is definitely a good one and so i know she's ready right but you know you're gonna get a chance to you know showcase and see what she can do yeah um so this this one for me is kind of a sleeper and most people don't know her, but she's at FGCU and it's Kirsten Bell. Absolutely. Um, and I know I talked about Elizabeth Kitley at Virginia Tech and they match up in the first round. So one of these girls <laughs> will be done after the first day. But um, Kirsten Bell is the small ball coach's dream. She's a forward who can shoot the ball, who can handle the ball. She likes to get the rebounds and start the break, start the transition. She can pass. She can really do everything. She uses her weight well on mismatches. She's just an electrifying player for a small school that is Florida Gulf Coast that plays a small ball lineup with her at the five most of the time. Mm -hmm. And obviously – I just mentioned Elizabeth Kitley, so that matchup is going to be awkward. But FGCU is an amazing shooting team, similar to how I mentioned Iowa and Iowa State. 
everyone on the team can shoot threes. So I, I think she's someone to watch. If they make it past Virginia Tech, it'll be because of her. Absolutely. And I want to tell you this, Tyler, I'm thinking that Florida Gulf Coast might pull the upset on Virginia Tech, and it's definitely going to be a good one because I don't know if Kenny Brooks and the Hokies are ready for what Florida Gulf Coast is going to bring, but it's definitely going to be one of the more exciting first round matchups, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I looked throughout the first round for a long time, and I cannot find one I'm more excited to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I'm definitely tuning in for sure. Yeah. Do you have any more? Any more players to watch? Um, I think that's all I have. I'm not even going to talk about Caitlin Clark again because, you know, we've already talked about, you know, how great she is. And I think a lot of people are, you know, getting hip to who she is and what she brings to the table. So I think that's all the ones that I have. I, w- I will say most people already know who Paige Beckers is, but coming off this injury, mm-hmm. I'm really looking to see how she steps up and how the UConn team who had a lot of girls injured for the whole season, how um, these other players who did step up in their absence will acclimate to them coming back, right? Because Gino likes to only play seven players a night, maybe eight. So he's he's had to go deep almost to the eighth, ninth, and tenth girl on the team. Mm-hmm. So how is that going to work with the starters back in there is he going to play them more or are they just going to fade into black going into the tournament? I'm really curious to see how that happens. That's not really a player to watch. I I said Paige because how well she plays will determine how much he has to go into the bench because she is coming off a pretty big injury in the last two games of the season. She really didn't, she still was kind of ginger on, on her leg. And um, I'm curious to see if she's going to be able to step up and be the best player on the team, which She's going to have to be, I think, this year because the, um, their region is tough. It's also really, really tough. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you just highlighted something that's really key there because I think that it's absolutely, right, a valid and fair question about how is, the, how is their lineup going to adjust, right, having her back as she's trying to, you know, get her groove, you know, get her groove back as far as coming back from her injury. However, the upside is – Gino knows that because he's played those players on the bench, right? Having to have gone deeper into that bench, those players, they are now ready, right? They're in Mm -hmm. their flow. And so if you need to go back to, hey, we got to go to player seven, eight, or nine, we know that they're ready, right? We hope that Paige is at her best and ready to rock and roll. But if there's any issues, any trepidation, she's worried or whatever the case may be, shots not falling, we know we can go to player eight. And we don't have to worry about, oh, crap, is it going to be some drop-off? We know they're good. So I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see, you know, because we, like you said, we don't normally get to see player 89 off the UConn bench or even 10. Right. So now that we know they're capable, they're in their flow, you're bringing Paige back, I think UConn can still make a good run at this tournament. Yeah, me too, for sure. For sure. So um, we talked about the seeding a little bit earlier. Tell me some of the most dangerous low seeds to you. I think I have three for me. Tell me yours. Okay. Well, the one that I have, we, you know, talked about them a little bit, right. Is Florida Gulf coast. You know, I think that for me with them, you know, we're looking at the top 25, um, you know, the the regular season rankings I'm referring to, you know, they're they're, they're ranked number 23 in the country. Right. But their Mm -hmm. record is 29 and two. So I think they could be that quote underdog team to really come in and shake up the tournament this year. 
And I yeah. said this a moment ago, right? They're matched up in the first round against Virginia Tech, and it's going to mm-hmm. be a good one. I mean, I, I, I'm going to go out on the limb and say I think they might be able to upset the Hokies, but if not, they're definitely going to give them a good run for their money and let people know, oh, Florida Gulf Coast, we slept on them, but they're good. Yeah, absolutely. They beat three tournament teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, they beat LSU earlier this season. Right. Um, I, I want to say they beat Princeton. Um, I didn't look at the record, but I think they beat Princeton as well. So they, they have they have these games that people wouldn't watch because they think, oh, you know, they're, they're going to beat the crap out of FGCU. But, man, I mean, they, they battle. They battle and they, like I mentioned earlier, they play a small ball five out offense that is dangerous. Is really really dangerous. So I mean that that's a great one. They are a 12 seed, which is low for a team with only two losses in the season. Right, so. absolutely. But I think again, you know, they're kind of that sleeper who's like, hey, we're going to put them in yeah. the tournament, but they're not going to be, you know, highly seeded. And so I think they're coming in with the point to prove. So I think that's the one that um that gets me. But I know you said you've got a few, so I want to hear what you're thinking. Well, that was one of mine. So okay, all right. <laughs> uh, another one of mine is Creighton. And oh yeah. Creighton is a super balanced team. I think they they had three or four girls averaging double figures at one point this season, like in like a five game stretch this season. They move the ball really well. They play really good defense. Um, in women's basketball, balance is so much more important than it seems, and especially more important than in men's basketball because you know a lot of times you may have an NBA prospect on your team that averages 25, 30 points a game. That doesn't really happen in women's basketball. So when you have a team that can get four or five girls in double figures a lot of nights, and yeah, you can say Creighton's, um, uh, you can say their competition isn't great. But I think they're a team that at any any given night could catch fire and have some girls off the bench with 10 points. And they're going to be hard to beat. They could put up a lot of points. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point that you make there about, you know, it's kind of a different style of play, so to speak, you know, between yeah. the men's and women's game. But I think that, you know, the way that they're going, you know, hey, they're really on a roll. And I mean, they're, they're something dangerous for real. Yeah, yeah. What's next? Um, let me see here. So tell me. So we got Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah, and Creighton. Um, and we got Creighton. Let me see. Um, I, I want to hear your other one. So to make sure I don't I don't repeat what you're going to say. Uh, my next one is Villanova. Okay. Uh, it's a very similar situation to Creighton. Villanova has had battles against a lot of tournament teams this year, um, and throughout the year they've been considered dangerous but coming in at 11th seed i thought was pretty low for them especially seeing teams like byu is six Ole miss is seven i think villanova is just as good as mm-hmm. as those teams um ucf is seven I, I definitely think villanova can compete with them if not be you know uh, to me i think they're obviously better than a lot of those teams in, in a tough conference but I think there are teams that could surprise. There are teams that could surprise a lot of teams, a lot of higher oh, yeah. seeds. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, another one that I'm going to throw out there that we haven't talked about yet uh, here is Notre Dame. You know, they have. Oh, yeah. I think they've played a really good season. You know, Neil Ivy's got those girls really playing well, yeah. and I forget her. Uh, I know she comes from the the, the famous uh, girls basketball family, women's basketball, the Mabrys. 
Mm-hmm. That girl yeah. is really on fire. I mean, she steps up at the right time. And I just feel like Notre Dame has all the right pieces. I mean, they've got shooters. They've got aggressive defenders. I mean, they rebound, get the ball. They're out in transition. And they're yep. definitely one to watch. And I think that, um, you know, they, we, we have them here in the Bridgeport region. You know, they could be facing, you know, NC State, Oklahoma, you know, Kentucky, many different, you know, options that they might be able to face. And I think that it's going to be a good test for them. But I think that they are well positioned and poised to come in this into this region and make some noise. Yeah. And Olivia Miles, who is my favorite, one of my favorite players in all of women's college basketball, um, great passer. Her vision is just amazing. But I think she's had problems with knowing when to step up and score, knowing mm-hmm. when to be the facilitator. I think that's going to be their biggest test going into the tournament. How can they get her to step up and, you know, be a bigger scorer for them? Because I think sometimes she, she'll spend a whole quarter and just not take any shots thinking, oh, yeah, I'm getting assists or I'm getting some passes, even though the girls aren't finishing. I think she's good enough to step up and be their go to player. but which they'll need, especially in um, the Bridgeport region, because eventually someone is going to have to play UConn at home. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm with you. I think Notre Dame is pretty low for how talented they could be. I think their potential is a lot higher than five. Right. Absolutely. But I will say, I think that's a good problem to have, right? And we're saying that so many teams are, you know, quote, lower seeded than we think they should be. It just kind of, you know, really just drives home the point about it's anybody's game at this tournament. I mean, these teams are playing well. They all have their respective strengths. And mm-hmm. you put all of them together in a, in a tournament, it's definitely going to be fire. So, I'm, you know, I think it's going to be good. It's exciting. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, you want to go to predictions or do you have more? No, that's all I have. We can do predictions. Let's do it. So who, who do you got in your final four? Whew, you know, as I sat down to fill out this bracket, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is every year. I'm just like, you know, the thing that's funny is I'm like, I, I know too much about basketball to really be good at these brackets because I feel like you just never know. And the people that I'm in the bracket pool with, I'm like the ones who don't know basketball are always the one to win because I'm yeah. I, I'm probably too much in my head about, you know, all the little nuances and stuff about, you know, who's doing what and everything. But here it is. Here's what I have for the final four as far as who's coming out of each region. Now, don't quote me on this because I could be wrong, but here's what I'm thinking right now today okay. in this moment. I think from the Greensboro region, I have it coming down to South Carolina versus Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to say that Iowa might come out of that one. And so I'm going to put Iowa coming out in the green coming out uh, on top in the Greensboro region. I think yeah. I got to go with Louisville. Um, out of that Wichita region. Of course, I'm going to go for Stanford out of the Spokane, and I'm going to give it to Kentucky coming out of the Bridgeport. So I think that's going to be my final four. Kentucky coming out of Bridgeport. Wow. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Um, I had Iowa as well. Um, I have Stanford as well. Now, for Bridgeport and Wichita, I have UConn and I have Baylor. Okay, all right. I like that. I think that if Baylor can get past Michigan, which Smith and Hillman, I mean, those two playing against each other. We didn't mention Nas Hillman earlier, but another amazing post player that we that you know dominated this season as well as last season, as we all oh, know. Yeah. Um, I think if they can get past that, 
I'm looking at I'm looking at Tennessee. I'm taking them over Tennessee. I'm looking at Oregon. I think Oregon could be a nice matchup for them, but I, I just don't see anyone even remotely stopping Alyssa Smith. And when I say remotely stopping, I mean she's giving you, you know, a 30 point 30 points a game, you know, potentially mm-hmm. at least 25. So then the rest of the team really only needs 40 points to beat a lot of these teams. And Louisville, Louisville's a really good team, very well coached, very good system, but they have some lulls sometimes where Haley Van Lith doesn't step up. Uh, they sometimes they shoot themselves out of the games. I I took Baylor in Wichita in the Wichita one. But okay. I'm not mad at Louisville at all. Obviously, the first the number one seed. So I, I'm not obviously it makes sense for them to come out of it, but I, I'm taking Baylor. And then Bridgeport, I, I gotta go with UConn, especially since eventually they'll be playing at home. They're finally pretty much full strength mm-hmm. um and like we mentioned earlier the depth although i have reservations about whether page is going to step up or or how gino is going to coach i they, they just have so much talent and i just look at a lot of the other teams and say man um uconn has girls that come off the bench that would start on a lot of these teams right you know and, and that's that's always tough whether Gino plays them or not, they, there's, you know, talented players that come off the bench that would be stars on other teams. So I'm thinking Paige comes back full strength. FUD has really stepped up for them. I, I don't see anyone beating them, but to your point, Kentucky, I think Kentucky has, I think Kentucky has the best player in the, in their region. Um, so that's always the X factor, right? I, I think Paige is a better player when healthy, but this year I'm taking Howard. I don't think anyone on UConn can guard or stop Howard. So it, it's going to be interesting. So I, I got UConn, Iowa, Baylor, and Stanford. I think Stanford is just, Stanford is just a well-oiled machine. Really Absolutely. Are. Yeah. Yeah. Tara Vanderbilt definitely has them well-coached. Right, and yep. they've got the skill to match it. I think they fit well with the offensive scheme that, you know, Tara Vanderveer has them running. And I want to go back to what you said about UConn coming out of the Bridgeport region. It totally slipped my mind that, you know, they're basically at home. They are, yeah. And so I, it's like, you know, they not only, you know, you don't have to travel, right, to where you're playing, right? You're already in that area. So I think that yeah. definitely plays to their advantage. We talk about the injuries that come into play. You don't have to worry about, oh, I got to rehab when I get there or, you know, whatever the, the recovery plan is. True. You still have to do that, right? But you're home doing it, right? So I think I didn't that, even think about that. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that they definitely are one that I'm personally, honestly, if I'm being for real, they're one that I'm sleeping on. But if they, again, if they, they get that stuff going, they're definitely going to be a threat coming out of that Bridgeport region. And if yeah. we get a Kentucky-UConn matchup, which I think we could, that's going to be a good one to watch. Very, very good one. Yeah. And definitely yeah. if like you said, Paige is really if she comes to play, which we expect her to, right? Yeah. That's gonna be course. a good matchup to see what UConn is gonna toss at Kentucky and how does Kentucky respond. Absolutely. Absolutely. One problem is Kentucky does turn the ball over often. Oh yeah. And UConn is fat the best fast break team probably 
in all of women's college basketball. And it's just because they capitalize on every single turnover. So if they can hold on to the ball and get Howard going in some consistency in their offense, they can beat UConn. It's possible. Definitely yeah, possible. It is definitely possible. I'm going to tell you this, man. It is definitely possible. <laughs> so neither of us picked uh, South Carolina to come out of Greensboro. Why is that? Man, and you know, this is a tough one because I am a South Carolina fan. I mean, to the point where I was literally two seconds from booking a flight to Nashville the day of to go see that championship. But yeah. here's my concern with South Carolina, okay? Mm-hmm. They are a great team. Of course, they've got Aaliyah Boston. You know, they have great guard play. They, You know, they, it's just so many good things, right? And not even to mention, right, they're coached by the Don Staley, one of my favorite players and now a coach. Yes. But my 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 reservations about South Carolina is not only how they ended the SEC mm-hmm. in the regular season and not even just losing the championship. Right. But let's let's park there for a moment. Right. They had a 15 point lead. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they got complacent or they were like, hey, we guess this is over. We won. But they lost that 15 point lead. They ended up losing down the stretch by what was it like two or two or four points or something like that. It was very yeah, I think close. It ended up being four. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it was, it was very close unnecessarily. But South Carolina, they are turnover prone. You know, yes. when their shots are falling, it's great, right? And they play, of course, through Aaliyah Boston. But you know, just again coming down to the stretch of the regular season, mm-hmm. I don't know if South Carolina has enough gas in the tank to pull it off. I hope they do. And time will tell. But, you know, that's just a few of my reservations. And I think that they got to really channel that SEC loss, right? They have two choices here to really get down on themselves and be like, okay, I guess we're done. Or, no, we're not done. And get ready to go to war in this March Madness tournament. So, if they come out of Greensboro, I'll definitely be happy as a South Carolina fan. But they got some things to clean up, I think, in order to do that. And that's what kind of makes me nervous. I'm also a South Carolina fan, and, and I agree with everything you said. For me, they go with a kind of a three-forward lineup and two guards, um, which, you know, generally in women's basketball, the small forward is just like a slightly taller guard. But they kind of go with really like three power forwards in the game all the time. They don't really have a true center and don't really have a true small forward. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think Beal would be a power forward on most other teams. She's just, you know, pretty fast for her height. I think that they're going to have a really hard time with shooting teams. Like I mentioned earlier, Iowa, Iowa State. If South Carolina can't stop the three, they have nothing to come back. Like they don't shoot well enough to get back into games Right to me. And uh, defensively, um, Henderson and cook are you know pests but you know they get in foul trouble a lot especially cook gets in foul trouble a lot she shoots them out of game sometimes if they don't get um opportunities at the free throw line they're definitely at risk of getting beat uh when you play good defense against them if you keep them out of the paint you limit their rebounds they have a really hard time and i think they've actually of all the teams that yeah, some teams have lost games here and there. They're the ones that really show you how to beat them when they lose games. Absolutely. Like, it, it's a different thing. You lose a game, yeah, we lost because, or, you know, whatever, another girl on the, uh, on the other team, player on the other team got hot. It happens. But when you 
crumble, like you mentioned, the 15-point lead, you crumble something like that, or you lose to a team that you know was coming in there ready for you, uh, it, it means the teams can game plan against you. Absolutely. I, I saw what Miami did in the ACC tournament. I think they, they're they a team that, you know, if you're sleeping on them, they could surprise you. I, I've seen North Carolina, great culture, obviously historic culture. Arizona, great coaching. I've seen a lot of these teams beat Giants. And South Carolina is, isn't even really a Giant. I mean, I they deserve the, the one seed, but like we mentioned, they have a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, and I think I what love, you said is key. They show you how to beat them. They, they do. And they, they make give it very it obvious. Yeah. Yeah, right on a platter. And I, as much as I love Don, you know, I think Don is a really good coach, um, fashion icon now. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I think that sometimes she struggles to get the best out of some of her players. I think mm-hmm. Boston always brings it. But sometimes I see I see Cook needing maybe a little more coaching. And, and I, sometimes I think Don thinks, you know, mid-game is not worth it. Just take her out. We're just we're just going to go with this other team opposed to kind of uplifting Cook to step up. I shouldn't say uplift because it, it may not be that, but she doesn't bring the best out of Cook that I've seen every game, which games where I think, man, Cook would be ready for this game. Like she's very competitive. Um, she's attacking all the time, but there's some games where I'm like, man, this is her time to step up. I don't, I don't see it. Um, so I, that scares me a lot, especially going into the tournament. Absolutely. And I want to also piggyback off of that, Tyler. I mean, going back to your point about Dawn Staley, I think that she gets out coached as well, right? She, she knows that, hey, this is the game plan that we came in with, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, thinking about down the stretch in that Kentucky game in, in the SEC championship, you know, half the timeout is over and she has not even drawn up a play for those girls. And Kyra Elsie, the entire timeout is there. Look, right. do this, do that. If that change this and all. And I think that that lack of preparation showed in the last two minutes of that game. And I think that's one thing, you know, not only is it a player's game, it's time for the players to show up. The coaches got to be ready as well, right? Having a game plan is one thing, but you got to be resilient and say, Hey, look, this isn't working. Let's switch gears and let's do this or so-and-so do this. And you also make another great point as well about being able to motivate your players in game right? and bring the best out of them. And I think that's another area of improvement for Don Staley. No shade. We love her because she's a great coach, certainly a great player. But I think that just her making those tweaks will better position, you know, her team and her as a coach to really be able to get over that hump that we've been talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so that's our tournament stuff. You had some other stuff you wanted to mention. Man, I just had to pull this out and just say this. I mean, we talked about, you know, Leah Boston earlier yeah. and, you yeah. know, in, in reference to South Carolina and how great of contributions, you know, she makes and, you know, Hey, kudos to her because I mean, she really is a difference maker in yeah. the South Carolina uh, team offensively and defensively. And speaking of offense, right, you know, she recently this season broke the SEC record for, you know, the number of double-doubles in a single season. I believe it was 19 was the record set by Sylvia Fowles 
and Aaliyah Boston has surpassed that. But the crazy thing for me is um, Anissa Morrow from DePaul had done that long before, exceeded that record. And nobody's really, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say nobody. A lot of people or not many people are talking about that. And I'm like, okay, I get it. DePaul may not be the number one team in the country, but let's not sleep on these accomplishments. And I will say, of course, right, they weren't necessarily saying that Aaliyah Boston is going to have the NCAA record. Then nobody ever said that. They're just kind of, you know, playing on, hey, she's about to, you know, uh, you know, beat Sylvia Fowles record of 19. But I'm thinking, okay. Anissa Morrow, that's another player I guess we could have talked about, you know, earlier about people not really knowing her and, you know, what she brings to the table right? overall and specifically for her team. Because I'm like, why nobody's talking about her? I mean, she had far past that record of 19, but you didn't hear about that. So I'm like, yeah. okay, people, we got to, you know, shine the light across, right, the NCAA and not just really focus on one player or one team or, you know, one particular conference. Yeah, that, and that's a good point. It, it's tough when a lot of times in women's college basketball, the uh, scales are always tipped to the, like the top 10 teams. And it, a lot everyone after that, maybe top 15, from 16 down to the unranked teams just are rarely talked about, if ever talked about, unless they have someone like Caitlin Clark who's like breaking – uh, all of college basketball across men's and women's basketball yeah. records, you these other teams really go, you know, without being talked about. And I'm glad you brought it up because it, it needs to be. There's a lot of other amazing, amazing women's basketball players out there that don't get brought up. There's teams, you know, um, smaller teams like the South Dakota States that will have – a player breaking the school scoring record and we would never hear about it. You right. Know? Um, but yeah, that's a great point. Great, yeah, great, great yeah, point. Yeah. And I know that it's tough, right? Because there's so much talent. Yeah. And there's, but so little, you know, airtime to talk about it. And so, you know, I just try to shine a light where I can, because it's like, there's so many players out here, you know, that really are making noise on their teams and doing great things that we don't hear about or we don't talk about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, on that note, this this was great. I, I really enjoyed that. We got to do it again mid-tournament. Got to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. Sure. This was so fun, and I appreciate the invite. Glad to be a part of it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Stay tuned for the men's basketball uh, tournament breakdown, and uh, see you guys next time. All right. See you. Uh, so we're here with Tyler. Uh, welcome back. You've been a guest on the show before. Uh, brought you back because we got a deep dive March Madness going in. Exciting time. What's it, how's it going? It's going well, man. I'm excited. We got Thursday, Friday, 15 games each day, I think. No, let's see, 64 teams, so 16, 17 games, 15, 16, whatever. We got a lot of games this, uh, these first two days. <laughs> first so round, you're excited, glued man. to the TV. Yes, and we're going to see upsets. This year is a lot of parity in college basketball. So I don't think a 16 seed will win, but you never know. And 15 seed, I'm not betting on it, but 14 seeds will win, 13 seeds will win, and it's just going to be exciting, man. Who knows what, what will happen? All right, so since you're talking about the lower seeds to start with, um, obviously I think we talked about this last time you were on, but 
me and Tyler haven't been in tune with college basketball this year as much. And specifically, the lower seed teams is hard to catch consistently. So give me a yeah. couple teams you're excited about. Give me a couple teams that could uh, that could upset somebody in the first round. So the first one I have to talk about is, and it's also one of my most surprising seedings, is South Dakota State. I'm surprised that they're 13. And they're actually two-point underdogs to Providence. A 4-13 game, they're only two-point dogs. So I really think that they're going to give Providence a lot of trouble. Um, the one thing I'm concerned about with those guys is because when you see mid-majors, oftentimes they're old. They have three, four, five starting seniors. South Dakota, South Dakota State doesn't have that, but they have a great team. They won 30 games this year. They have not lost since December. So oh, they haven't lost at all. They were 18-0 in conference play, and then they ran the table in the conference tournament. And they're a 13 seed. So I really like South Dakota State. Um, Providence is a good basketball team. The Big East was strong this year. But the thing about Providence is they don't, to me, they don't really really have that go-to guy down the stretch. When South Dakota State makes a run, they can say, all right, we're putting the ball in this guy's hands, and we're going to let him make something happen. So that's the first game I'm looking at for for a big upset. It's interesting that it's only a two-point difference. Right. Four and 13, that, that's usually not that goes the case. To show you that, yeah. that South Dakota State was probably misseeded slightly. Now, is there, is there a lower seed you're excited about more so because you're nervous about the team that's going to be playing against them? As far as I think that, that a top seed may struggle? Yeah. Hmm, well, Baylor could struggle, but they're a one facing a 16. So, and I, I know nothing about the team they're playing. So, Baylor, the reason I'm concerned about them is they lost their best perimeter big for the year. Um, Jeremiah Achachu, Chama Achachua. That's a tough name to mm. say, but they lost him. And their leading scorer, LJ Cryer, has been out for the last 15 games. And they're expecting him back, but the, the concern is chemistry. When, when you insert your leading scorer back in the lineup, what, what was happened? he? Uh, what was the injury? Ankle, foot. It's a lower lower leg injury, <clears throat> and they've been saying we're expecting him back. We're expecting him back. He hasn't played yet. So the the ideal scenario for Baylor is to ease him in in that sixteen one game, get a big lead, let him play twenty minutes, and then they can go from there. But if they if if they get into a close game, and you never know what could happen. But I, I don't expect a, a number one seed to lose. We never do. It's only happened once. Yeah. So. Um, I was just wondering, with Baylor, seeing them struggle a couple times, is the perimeter shooting going to keep them advancing? Right. That That's just, a big question mark. I'm not yeah, sure. And the thing about Baylor is they're always so tough, man. They, they always play tough defense. They always are a grit and grind team, which is great. And they, they won the national championship last year. Right. But the thing, the thing with them is they don't have the scoring they had last year. Davion Mitchell was one of the best players in the nation. So they lost a lot from that team. They have a great coach. So, you know, they, they should make a sweet 16 run, but they are vulnerable right now. Um, so – Moving forward into a little bit more of the overall tournament, uh, give me the which side do you think will be the toughest to get through? So the top seeds are the best in the South region, I think. 
top to bottom, I'd have to go with the east. But but if, when you look at the south region, you've got Arizona one, okay, Villanova two. Villanova is old. Now I like old in the NCAA tournament. And then you have Tennessee three, who was the clear misseeding. They should have absolutely been a two. So Arizona, Villanova, and Tennessee all in the same bracket. That's a good bracket. And then you also round it out with Illinois and Houston, who who are two two really solid basketball teams. Uh, what what do you think about the Midwest? The Midwest. Well, let's go. Let's scroll up here. Okay, so that's we're talking about the bottom region. Because I Auburn. I just I don't trust Auburn. Now that I look back at that region, I was going to say I think this region could be absolute carnage i think you could see so many upsets yeah because with kansas uh who's the big that nobody could stop from rebounding david mccormick is probably who you're thinking of yeah i mean i just i don't know with kansas like they're so hot and cold that i like wisconsin to me is perfectly capable of beating them iowa very capable uh who else Mm -hmm. is in there miami is another team providence is a team like you talked about but they could easily heat up. Right. So I just – and with oh, Auburn, coming, yeah. Auburn kind of closing the year out on a down note, I would say. Mm-hmm. Very inconsistent. Uh, I just – I think I think it's going to be wild in there. Absolutely, man. I'm with you 100% on that. You've got Colgate. So you mentioned Wisconsin. I like Wisconsin. But Colgate has a – Really strong team. They were in the tournament last year, and they made a run at somebody. I'm I'm forgetting who they made a run at, but you've got Colgate facing Wisconsin, and you've got Richmond facing Iowa. Richmond is very old. They have Jacob Gilliard, a senior. They have um, Grant Golden, a senior. Nate Ko, a senior. They've been together for four years, all of those guys. So Keegan Murray is a one-man show for Iowa. So if he has an off game, I could see Iowa losing in the first round. Ooh, it's gonna be interesting. It's, just, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Like seeing brackets like this is it's made me it's encouraged me more and more to turn my brain off. Right. Because I don't want to predict which team heats up, you know, if there's gonna be an injury or if somebody's not gonna play well. Um what do you that's think one of the hardest go ahead? That's one of the hardest things to do is to really pick I I, I think anyone that cares about their bracket, I think you just should pick who you who you like. If if you like Colgate, pick Colgate because no one really knows what's going to happen. It's so crazy. So a lot of times I would struggle with picking a 14 seed to win. You know, I'd be like, man, I can't pick a 14 over a three. No, I think you just go in. If you're feeling it, ride with it. You don't really have to have a great reason for it because there's going to be upsets and great teams are going to lose. It happens every year. What are what are some of the things you look for? Like you said, like we kind of talked about not overthinking it, obviously. But you do you did mention some things like you know the older rosters, the rosters were playing well towards the end of the year. Any other things you you're specifically looking at from these teams that will like get you more excited about them? Absolutely. the The biggest thing for me, I look back to Oral Roberts last year. They had Max A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner. I look for and a dynamic guard and a dynamic big. Yes. If you have both of those, you have a good shot. And tonight's playing game, Indiana and Wyoming, I think the winner of that game is going to the Sweet 16. You have Trace Jackson Davis and Xavier Johnson. 
dynamic guard, dynamic big. And then you have Hunter Maldonado and Graham E.K. from Wyoming. Same thing. So I think the winner of that game is going to win some games for sure. Uh, Indiana is interesting. I haven't seen them in a while, but very exciting team. Yeah, and they, and they look really bad for stretches. And yeah. Big Ten tournament came around. They heated up. Xavier Johnson's playing out of his mind right now. So I like uh, them. Speaking of teams that heat up, I got to bring it up because I caught them uh, just beating the brakes off Duke the other day. Uh, Virginia Tech, very yeah, low seed, very inconsistent year. What do you think about them? So this is wild. Quick story. My sister is a huge Duke fan. So she wanted to go see Coach K one last time. And tickets were outrageous price. So obviously we weren't going to the North Carolina game. She wanted to go to a game in Cameron. And we didn't want to go see him play Division Three, win by 60. We wanted to see him play an ACC team. And I told her, I said, look, beyond North Carolina, the team I'd like to see play that I think could give him a run is Virginia Tech. And so we went to the Virginia Tech-Duke game in Cameron, and Tech was winning at halftime. And it was a great game. So I've liked them all year long. I'm glad that they hit their stride at the right time. I think they could be dangerous, but I don't like their first-round matchup very well just because Texas – I feel like Texas is undersold a little bit. They've underperformed, but they have so much talent. It feels like they have too much talent to lose early. I don't know, man. Texas, to me, again, seeing them sporadically, but like the Texas Tech game a few weeks ago didn't look very good. Uh, Another team who's had an up-and-down year. Yes, for sure. Unpredictable. You never know. Texas Tech could lose – I mean, Texas could lose by 20 to to Virginia Tech, and they could win by double digits just as easily. So – I do like Virginia Tech, though, man. They have a very good team. Okay, interesting. Um, speaking of Duke, unfortunately, unfortunately for them, they're kind of in my low lights right now because I did watch the North Carolina game also. Um, how do you feel about North Carolina? Because they're another team who's heating up late in the year. Man, I, we had to come back to this because I don't know if you remember last time I was on the pod. I said, basically, North Carolina sucks. And we all <laughs> laughed about it. And it did suck, yes. That Duke game, they we finally saw their ceiling. We saw what they can be. I, I was shocked in the second half. Yeah, it <laughs> I was, was like, a, man, they, they look more experienced. They just look more like ready for the moment. Absolutely. Man. The thing about North Carolina, so they have a great first round matchup with Marquette because Marquette likes to get up and down. I like teams that like to run when they play Carolina. If you slow down the pace, it could get tough for them. So when they play Baylor, if they play Baylor, um, I just talked about Baylor struggling. So Carolina could have a chance, but it's going to come down to how the game is officiated because Baylor plays great defense, tough defense. And every time Carolina has played a tough defensive team, it feels like they get, they pass the ball around the perimeter. They jack up bad shots. They get out of what they want to do. So if Baylor can force Carolina out of what they want to do, I, I think they probably will lose yeah. to Baylor in the second Who's, round. Who's uh, Love? Caleb Love, right? That's the mm-hmm. guard for UNC. He's very skill-oriented. I, I would like to see him, like, really commit to getting inside a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, he could be a first-round pick, man. Like he you say, good. his skills are really – you might have five or six guys in college basketball that can do what he can do. But when you add in the bad about Caleb Love, 
that's when you say, okay, is he even draftable? Because he, he has poor shot selection at times. He's turnover prone. The effort goes up and goes down. Um, the reason Carolina beat Duke is because they put R.J. Davis at point guard. Let Caleb play off the ball, took the ball out of his hands some. He's a, he's a really good player. I'm not bashing Caleb Love. I like him a lot, and I hope he comes back for one more season in North Carolina. But him handling the ball 60% of the time, it can get ugly at times. And who was the other guy I saw that I couldn't tell if he was really that good or not? The, the white dude who's a good shooter. Brady Manick. Yes. Is he really that good? Because he looked pretty unstoppable also. He is – so I'm a North Carolina fan. I don't know if you know that. I've had more fun watching Brady Manick in this one season than I've had watching a one-and-done guy at Carolina in a long time. He is extremely good. He's a fifth-year senior. Um, he put up 16 points against Baylor in 2016. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's been that long since he's been – he played with Trey Young. He was a starter on Trey Young's Oklahoma team. What? Yeah. That's almost unbelievable, isn't it? That's I, that means I've I've literally looked at him for like a good 10, 15 games and never like remembered his face. Isn't that nuts that he was a starter with Trey Young? Man, crazy. And Cameron Magusty, who is Miami's best player, was a starter on that team as well. So yeah. That's funny. Miami was another team I was kind of looking at, like another inconsistent year, but they're all they're always like extra competitive in the tournament. Yeah, and one thing I like to look at is great coaches. And so I think Laranaga is a great coach. I mean, there there are a lot of really good coaches, but you look at guys like Laranaga, you look at guys like, to me, you just mentioned Virginia Tech. I think Mike Young is a great coach. So it just comes down to personal opinion on that. It's so critical with especially the tournament, like it's situational coaching. Like, it's the teams that are adapting all year, adjusting. It's tough to predict that, similar to, like, is, how teams for sure. play. For sure. And, yeah, like you say, halftime adjustment, stopping a run. It, because in March, it can get away from you so quick. Right. You know, I mean, you're it's one game and you're done. It's single elimination. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I wanted to mention, I think Tennessee. So, people – I don't know if you've, you've seen online. People are mad that Tennessee got a three seed. Yes. I Their mean, resonation. that Kentucky game, hey, I'd give them a two-seed just for that Kentucky game. Right. They've looked great. And I think they might lose in the first round. I really think they might get upset by Colgate. I mentioned Colgate. We'll see. But Tennessee, to me, don't they don't have star power, like I mentioned. They don't have that. Well, Kenny Chandler's a great player, and he'll go in the first round of the draft. But – Yeah, I, uh, I saw them a lot early in the year, like bits and pieces, and they were just very – um. Energy was often low, like they struggled to match the team they were playing, couldn't really depend on any specific offensive-like thing. Uh, but I don't know, man, that Kentucky Great game point, yeah. was like a night and day difference. Yeah, you're right. They they are peaking at the right time. So you really don't want to pick them to get beat because they are playing their best basketball right now. I mean, uh, yeah, Colgate's not a school I know anything about, so – We'll see how that turns out. I've only seen them play once, and it was last season in the NCAA tournament. They've got three guards. Nellie Cummings is one of them. They've got three guys that can shoot the lights out of it. And that's one thing that I wanted to mention as well. You talk about age. Age is big time. Three-point shooting is really big. Because if you have a big that's an elite big, he gets in foul trouble. You're 
you're sending them on the bench for 10 minutes. You know, I mean, that's. And a a lot of the top schools real quick have depth problems. Uh, So that really comes back to hurt you in second halves, especially. Foul trouble. I mean, God forbid an injury. Yeah. Then you're throwing a guy out there that's played eight minutes a game in the biggest moment of your season. So you're Mm -hmm. right. Another perspective I have coming into the tournament, if if I am trying to predict what's going to happen, the kind of the history of the team's performance in tournaments. So like Baylor, for example, prior to last year, I rarely ever had confidence coming in with Baylor. Right. Gonzaga is another team for a long time, had no confidence. Nobody in wanted coming to play in. them. Right. And so this is kind of the thing for me. Gonzaga had a very easy schedule down the stretch. I'm looking around. I'm looking around all these conference tournaments. Duke is battling. Kentucky's battling. Purdue's battling. Uh, All these teams playing really well, like figuring out, peaking at the right time. How do you feel about them? That's a great point, man. I mean, I I don't want to say that that Gonzaga is vulnerable only because they have the best front court in basketball. But Drew, Drew Timmy and especially Holmgren. I was on the fence about Holmgren last time we talked. I watched a couple of games since then. The dude is unreal. I saw him take oh, yeah. it coast to coast and, and have a, a donk. At, what is he, 7-1? I mean, he's really ridiculous. So with Holmgren, he's such a matchup problem that a, that a smaller mid-major school – I don't see them. I don't see them being able to pull it off. But Boise State, who they may play in the second round, is a great team. They played in a great conference, like you said, battle tested. Um, they they had four teams make the NCAA tournament from Boise State's conference. Them, Colorado State. Um, let's see here, Wyoming, who's playing tonight, mm-hmm. and San Diego State. So they've been battle tested all all season long. And Gonzaga only had well, they had three teams make it, but. Like you say, I agree with you on that. I just, again, I, I didn't see them because none of their games are interesting enough to go to. But I'm, I'm like, the, they're showing the highlights during and after games, and it's blowout, blowout, blowout. Like, I forgot, I think they had one game that was kind of close against somebody. And then it's blowouts the rest of the way. Yeah. I, I just, when you get to that, like, third, six, round of 16, it's not going to be that easy it may be good for them to, to get a scare in the second round, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting. A lot of times they don't, they kind of dominate who they're supposed to. And then when they play kind of the, the teams on their level, they struggle when they get challenged that first time. Yeah. 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 You're right about that. So I think it may be good for them to get challenged. I I think this year's team is the best Gonzaga team we've seen. Um, Who was the, who was the kid that went to Orlando? Um, so they had him last year but Holmgren impacts the game on so many levels that I think he's just a step above Suggs although I did say I like guard play more in March hopefully hopefully home yeah Holmgren is one of the few bigs that elevates their guards yes like Timmy's been a good player for a long time but I've never seen him elevate any of their other players yeah uh, so I'm interested to see how that, that plays out. Absolutely. I, I I will probably have Gonzaga in my final four, but just because I think they're the best team. 
but I do see what you're saying about not being tested, and that's that's a concern. I'm sure that's why Mark Few went and scheduled all these great teams they played in November. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time since November, but they did get tested then. Their, their schedule so, was a little bit better. I remember the UCLA game at one point was a, a very big game, and UCLA was was still a like a premier team at that point. Yeah, and the one good thing for Gonzaga is Duke is in their bracket, and Duke beat them earlier this year. So I like teams that get the revenge narrative, revenge factor, yeah. second time. I like that. Um, and I guess we got to talk about Duke. Bad losses. I, I caught both of them, unfortunately. I just – they don't dominate. They don't control the game enough to me. And then yeah. you have your eight guys deep. That's that that kills everybody in the tournament. I've really I don't know if I've ever seen a team succeed with seven, eight guys. Yeah. Uh, every round. No depth. I don't really trust any of the playmakers. Other than Paolo, probably. I don't know how you feel. Yeah. I just I don't know. It's like they fall apart. These two games, I'm watching them fall apart and they're just kind of like Paolo, like take take over. We're going to force feed you. Yeah. We're not going to run anything. He's not he's not like a complete and utter Joel Embiid level mismatch. Right. And I just haven't seen him do anything differently these two games. And they don't play defense. They they can't fall back on their defense and a lot of times when teams struggle like you're saying they can. Yeah. So, and they're young. And that's one thing that I think is a negative in the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, with Paolo, I think he needs to do his best to stay near the low post because he's such a mismatch down there, unless you have a great six foot 10 for a uh, defender that can also move his feet, which is few and far between. Yeah. Paolo needs to stay in that range, the 10 foot, 10 to eight feet range. And if he gets hot, okay, step back and start taking more, uh, maybe a three pointer, maybe 20, 20 foot shots. But when he gets that low post footwork, man, I don't know if you've seen his spin move. Ridiculous. Oh Yeah. He's got a good drop step too. He's got, he clearly was a guy, he looks like a guy who grew really fast. So he had to really learn like how to be a big man early on. And he's still learning. Yes. I mean, his body, my girlfriend was like, that dude's 18 years old. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) Hey, these guys now are just built different. Absolutely. Um, Okay. So we got to get into our final four. Um, And I, and, I'm trying to avoid mentioning specific players too much because I do want to get into that at the end. Um, but give me your final four and make a case. I want you to make a case for every single team. Okay, so I feel like a lot of people are going to disagree with this, but and they're not playing great basketball right now. But to me, Purdue has the great guard, the elite guard. Yes. They have the elite big man. What's been killing them lately is Sasha Stefanovic. I think he has a hand injury. And he, to me, he was one of the best role players in the nation. And you go back and look at his last three or four games, I think he's like two for 20 from three. Hmm. So he's really struggling right now. If they can get him on track, get through this first weekend, let him rest up a little bit more. I like Purdue a lot because Jaden Ivey is next level. He's a guy that can take over in the tournament, can get hot. Um, so that's – I think Purdue is probably my favorite out of that region. Okay. 
Do you have, let's see, what region, let's see, what region is that? Who do you think is going to come out of the East? You got Baylor, Kentucky, Purdue, UCLA. I, I think, to be honest, like, to me, I, I can't really picture North Carolina fi- figuring out a way to beat them, assuming that's how it turns out. Yeah. UCLA, to me, is not really that much of a threat to them. And then they're getting Purdue or Kentucky, I'm assuming. And, and to me, they're a favorite either way because Purdue is way too dependent on Ivy and the big man. Yeah. Uh, and the, who, who did they just lose to in the final? Yeah, that killed me too. I bet on them. They bet, they lost to Iowa, which I was playing good. Yeah. It, it wasn't, it's not that it was a bad loss, but it's again, it's the, it's the same thing I saw with Duke. Teams not playing well. We're just like trying to force feed the best player. Those teams never survive in the tournament. Yeah, unless that one guy gets hot, which you got to get extremely hot. And yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I can't think of any specific examples of that. I like Ivy, but I don't think he could get uh, – who was it? Carson Edwards. I don't think he could get, like, Carson Edwards yeah, hot. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Or um, Kemba when they made – Yeah, yeah, game. yeah. That That's just like a whole other nuclear level. Right. Yeah, so out of that region, I guess you got Baylor and I've got Purdue. I think that's a very good region. I could see – North Carolina, if they beat Baylor, they could have a pass, but I don't think – Do you think Kentucky gets to Purdue in the Elite Eight? So that 7-10 game, Murray State and San Francisco, that's two of the best mid majors in the nation. Whoever wins that game will give Kentucky a run for their money, but I do think Kentucky will because Shibway is a load. He's he's so hard. He's so hard to handle. Oh, yeah. And the one thing that he's done this year, Cal told him, man, I need you on the court, so don't foul. If you have to give up a little bit, that's fine. But we need you on the court for 35 minutes a game, so don't foul. And he's done a great job at that this year. It's nice to see. I hope that's a trend with Kentucky bigs moving forward. Yeah. It shouldn't take two years to learn how not to foul. Exactly. And Ty Ty Washington with, with, with them, he's starting to round back into form. I think he had 25 points or so in their – it was either their last game or second-to-last game in the SEC tournament. So – in the tournament, he's so talented. If he can get rolling with Shibwe, I think they'll I think they'll make it out of the first weekend for sure. It just I, I picture all these teams side by side, and Baylor athletically has such an advantage. Uh, and it's kind of what carried them last year. So I, I just maybe maybe I'm still in the recency bias. No, the defending national champs. I mean, you're right. They they are they have a history of strong, physical, tough brand of basketball and that that's good to have in march yeah uh which which bracket do you want to go next let's go west so that's gonzaga's region um other than gonzaga the only other team i could really see is yukon yukon they have a great guard man I, i really like their team a lot i haven't seen uh yukon much but a little bit lower what about Arkansas? Uh, who's the guy? Of course, I can't remember his name. He's scoring JD machine. Note. Yeah. yeah. J.D. Note. Yeah. I like him a lot. He's a stud, and he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, playing point guard. Yeah. yeah he looks stud. good. Very comfortable in pick and roll, deep range. He's fearless going inside. Absolutely. Again, I've noticed him. Has Arkansas shown you anything to get excited about? Well, the number one thing for them is they played in the SEC, which was great this year. They are battle-tested. You say you like that, they are absolutely battle-tested. 
Got a good coach. They've got no Tay, like you said. I I just don't know who that second guy would be. Jalen Williams was great for them, but he's not an elite scorer. So if and no Tay struggles with fouls, I don't get it. I don't get why he would put himself in that position. Undisciplined. Yeah, just he's going for steals a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So I'm concerned about that. But if he stays out of foul trouble, I do like Arkansas. That's a good call. I mean, I, I've done one bracket, and I had them losing to UConn in the second round. But now that you say that, that'll be a great game. I look forward to watching that game if those two teams play, UConn and Arkansas. So I, I agree. Obviously, that's the smart pick, Gonzaga, coming out. Um, and the more I look at it, the less I am confident in any of the other teams. But – for me, for the last couple of years, I do this thing where if if I see a team way more than a lot of the other teams and I like them a lot, I, I like kind of home hometown root for them in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned last Tech. time you were on Texas Tech. Yeah. Texas Tech, they're not they're not very dynamic, but they're inside out. They're very disciplined. They're well coached. Yep. Uh, they had a tough year as far as like they're not playing easy games. I think they could. I think they could match what the front court does for Gonzaga. Yeah. yeah, the only way to answer great offense is with great defense. They have great defense. Kevin O'Banner, the guy I mentioned from Oral Roberts, he plays yeah. for them now. Yeah. So you're right. I mean, the talent level for me is not quite there for me to pick them. I know. But they're a great team. So tough. And they also – they have uh, depth. Yeah, they do. They play depth. what? I, I watched them – no, I just – I watched them beat Baylor a little while back, and I'm, Baylor's getting in foul trouble and struggling to put people out there. Texas Tech doesn't have that problem. Yeah. Isn't it funny that Chris Beard leaves Texas Tech for Texas? Now, I think that may be a great long-term move, but – First year, Texas Tech, I mean, look at them. Yeah, yeah. Who was it? Um, It's not really the same situation, but uh, I thought Xavier got a little bit better at first when uh, Mac left. Chris Mack, yeah. Yeah, for like a, now, now that the, I don't, I don't even, they didn't even make the tournament this year. But they didn't, yeah. And the I, first year I, without honestly, them, they I thought that they should have made it. Their record wasn't quite there, but they they had a really good team. I, I hope they win the NIT. Either them or Wake. Uh, those are my two teams I like in the NIT. Hmm. But unfortunately, they did miss out. And I mean, I can't. They can't blame anybody but themselves. I think they had fourteen losses, so I get it. Yeah, yeah. I kept I kept noticing them and just loss, loss. It's tough, tough to overcome. Yeah. That. Yep. All right. Which bracket are? Uh, let's go to the Arizona one. All right, Arizona. Hmm. Uh, well, I love Colorado State. I mentioned them last time. I love their team, but my pick to go to the Final Four is Houston. Really? That's, and that's a little contrarian, but – and that's okay. I mean, I like Villanova, but – Houston, if they still had Marcus Sasser, their their leading scorer from last year, they they would be a one seed, in my opinion. He he tore his ACL, I believe. He's out for the year, so that that's a tough loss, and that'll probably keep them from going to a Final Four. But 
I really like Houston. I mean, they, they have a really good team. They could get upset by UAB, who has a great team as well. Everybody, everybody. I mean, I, I don't think Illinois is going to be an easy win for them if they get there. Yep, you're right. I mean, Coburn is a, is a load to handle. Yeah. So. There's a lot of, lot, of, lot of talented bigs in college this year. Yeah. So, it's just going to come down to who gets in foul trouble and who doesn't, I guess. I'm going to – I just, again, from the teams I'm seeing, I trust Villanova more than any other team on here. Uh, so much experience. So much experience. All these guys know how to succeed. They, they know what it takes, specifically in the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and they, another team who got better as the season went on. A lot of, yeah. lot of like crazy wins late in the year, a lot of, lot of battles. I think they're in good shape coming in. Yeah, and you you say that you like teams that historically perform well in the NCAA tournament. I can't think of a time that where Villanova has yes. really disappointed. That they may have lost in a Sweet Sixteen or something like that, but that's nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah. They they have showed up every single year. Yeah, I, I really memory. don't remember, and I can remember most top uh, top programs having like a stinker year. Yeah, you know, like Duke has a lot. I remember Mich- both Michigan and Michigan State has had them. Obviously, Baylor's had them. Uh, Purdue's had a lot of them. Like a lot of these schools are struggling. Villanova's not in that category. No, not at all. Yeah. So that you know, you got Colin Gillespie, who's won a national championship. He's led that team. He's been the heart and soul of that team for four years, five years. I mean, it's going to be every coach in America. If you ask them, who do you want one game NCAA championship? You're going to hear a lot of Colin Gillespie's. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't see Ohio State at all this year. Are they going to give him a potential challenge? Well, one thing I wanted to mention about bracketology is you look at, at games and you hear people talk and you have upsets that a lot of people pick. So I think that Loyola Chicago, when they play Ohio State, I think more people will pick Loyola than they than pick Ohio State. A lot of the a lot of the safe people, a lot of the people who don't like to take risks, look at the seven ten, six eleven to to get the upset. So I look at it and I say, okay, if people are going to pick a ten seed, that who knows, they may win, they may not. I'm going to pick the team that has the best player, EJ Liddell. I'm going to pick the team that people are predicting to get upset to actually win that game. So I think Ohio State will win that game, and then. They do play Villanova. I, I think they could give them a tough a tough test. Ohio State has been playing a bad ball recently, but they play in the Big Ten. So they play top 20 teams every night. Right. Interesting. I, I'm not as concerned. I'm not as concerned with teams that struggle down the stretch when your lo- your losses are quad one losses, quad one loss, quad one loss. When you're losing to great teams, it doesn't concern me as much. Although I would love to see a 15 game win streak. But they're there you get more you got to get more specific and look at the quality of the losses like if it's injuries or bad play playing yeah Yeah. so it varies to me you're right like i think the duke losses are rough yeah but like some other teams to me uh who was it that lost to a&m purdue um no No. it was um Auburn. auburn Yeah, I, I didn't think that was a bad law. I thought AM was just like just had a lights out game. 
Yeah, and we, um, I think it's window green. No, it was Katie Johnson. Katie Johnson from Auburn. This is no joke. He missed 14 shots in a row in that game. And the all-time record for missed shots in one game is 17, I believe. Yeah. So he almost broke the all-time record for most consecutive missed shots in one game. 0 for 14. I never overreact to that. To me, especially in a one, two-game sample size, you know, when we're looking if, – if it's a season-long or like a month-long thing, that's different. But uh, a bad shooting night to me is nothing to overreact to. Yeah, you're right about that. And and the committee thought so as well because they left Texas A&M out of the tournament, even though they got hot in the SEC tournament. Yeah, that was surprising. Maybe they attributed that, that, that Auburn loss and said, hey, they had a really off shooting night. I'm not going to give A&M as much credit as other people may have. Yeah. So, what and that you have – I have Houston, you like Villanova. I mean – I say Houston, and that's mainly to be contrarian. I like their team. I got um, Houston getting to Villanova. Yeah. I mean, you look at Illinois, I think Houston is the better basketball team. Um, Illinois is very one-dimensional, like you mentioned, that, that you don't like. You know, you got Kofi, and then he kicks it out to Plummer for a three. Trent Frazier's a great player, but they don't have anyone other than Kofi that I'm putting at the top of my scouting report. Right. So what we got one more region. We yeah, talked about we this region earlier. We 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 talked about the Midwest. We didn't say who we think is going to go to the final. Oh, four. the Kansas uh, Auburn region. Yeah. What you got? I think Wisconsin. Well, they have the best player in that in that bracket, I think. Yes. In that, in that, I was going to get to that. Uh, his, he's lights out. To me, I, I like how he, he – it's not so much that he's obviously shooting the ball great. It's how he's getting shots off teammates. Mm-hmm. That's the thing to me, and that's – I think is going to be a good thing for him transitioning to the league is being able to play off other people. But, man, and the how – And he's a two-way star. Yeah, how quick he is, how – he doesn't seem athletic, but, like, he seems to bring it out when you need it. Sneaky. Yeah, uh, I like everything about his game, and I like how they're very disciplined around him. They know who they are. Right. And and I think they do that better than Purdue. I think they do that better than Duke. Um, I would even say Kansas I – would, I would say they do it better than Kansas. Yeah, I would I would be shocked to see Wisconsin get blown out in any in the NCAA tournament. So I think if they lose, they're gonna you're gonna see it on Twitter as one shining moment, buzzer beater type thing. They're gonna be in tight games, mm-hmm. so they very well could make a run. I think it's hard to look past Auburn. I know you said you could see them getting getting beat. Yeah, so I know happens. they're the they're like the the perfect pick. If you look at their surface level roster the talent, the potential. It's the same thing with Gonzaga. Like, I just can't pick against them. Yeah. But I see uh, we just talked about JT Note torched them in the middle of the season. And so you what? You're thinking if, if they meet up with Johnny Davis or even Miami, with you think they, they could get torched from deep? Yeah, because you can't yeah. shoot over Kessler. <clears throat> I don't know. Who's the other guy from Miami? Uh, Wong, I think. 
Isaiah Wong, yeah. Yeah, I like his game too. So I, I just think there's a lot of firepower here. Providence is a team of firepower. Uh, Creighton is a team who is always up and down, high scoring. Yeah. Uh, like you said, Iowa, Miami. You said you like. I think this is gonna be tough, man. I, I just I I trust Wisconsin's discipline over some of the other teams I've seen, mm-hmm. n- namely Kansas, because they're the best team to me. But but this yeah, to me, like, I mean, I would really wouldn't be surprised if Iowa comes out of here, honestly. If, if Murray Murray is almost unguardable, I mean, he's what is he six ten and he shoots from everywhere. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, he's he's unreal. I keep I kept wanting to bet against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament because I don't think they have talent surrounding him. I wish McCaffrey would play his brother Chris Murray more because he's really a really good player. But I kept wanting to bet against them. I was watching their games and Keegan Murray did miss. He, he literally answered the bell every single time. It, it was unreal. I was extremely impressed with him. So who do you got? Who's your final two? Who do you think is taking it all? Well, this is going to be old takes exposed. I hate, I hate people that go with favorites. So I want to say Gonzaga and Auburn. I want to. But I don't think you're allowed to come on a podcast and say that, right? You can't say – Two nah. of the top teams. No, nah, I mean, they're, they're to me, again, they're not that proven. They're not that proven. So, to me, it's not going to be an easy road for Auburn, even if their first couple rounds are, are not that tough. Yeah. Gonzaga is going to be the same thing. Even if they have a light first couple rounds, they're going to get tested before even before the final four. Right. So, uh, it's interesting, man. I'm um, So, what, I think – you think maybe Wisconsin final championship game? Who knows? I mean, gonna, it's so, so much parody. I'm going to take a, a heart pick and and trust who to me is the most NBA ready player that I've seen. Purdue, Jaden Ivey. I'm rocking with him the whole way. I love it. His like his energy just elevates the team. They can't yep. – they're not as, like – they're a little bit stiff playing through him all the time. But, man, how explosive, how dynamic he is, how he could get shots off. He heats up from the perimeter, like, almost whenever the team needs him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, I think he's going to be – who are they playing, like, Kentucky at one point? I think – Yep. I think all teams they could comfortably beat and dominate. I think their toughest game is the winner of that Texas Tech-Virginia Tech game. I think if Virginia Tech gets past Texas, they could give Purdue problems. So if Purdue makes it out of the first weekend, I really like Purdue. I think Matt Painter needs to get Travion Williams on the court more. He needs to play 30 minutes or more in the tournament because he's so dynamic. He takes attention off of Ivy. I'd like to see him play Edie and Travion Williams together, but – He's been hesitant to do that because they clog up so much space, and Ivy needs space. Yeah, and they're they're always hesitant to play multiple bigs. I it's always kind of been their play style. And I get it, but but at some point you have to say, hey, my three best players are Zach Eady, Travion Williams, and Jaden Ivy. I'm gonna play them. Yeah, you know, at some point, right? And all guys, all guys, I'm comfortable having the ball. Yeah. 
Like just not necessarily just to score, just to rebound. All guys that are high IQ enough to to run the offense through. Yeah. So I'm curious if they live up to the potential, but I like I like how they've been playing. Absolutely. And I mean, like we say, you never know, but you have to look at past. And I think Baylor is walking wounded. I think they're going to struggle. So if, if Purdue gets past Virginia Tech or Texas and then they beat Kentucky, you're looking at, in my opinion, I mean, they could play Baylor, but if they do, I like Purdue in that game. Um, if they don't play Baylor, they got either UCLA, um, North Carolina maybe, but, but I really like right. their Elite Eight matchup. Um, so – since we pretty much talked about all the teams we wanted to cover, um, and we mentioned most of the guys, but any any specific players that we didn't talk about or didn't really talk about enough? Yeah, one guy we haven't mentioned is Colorado State. We mentioned the team, Colorado State's David Roddy. He's – I'm trying to think of a good comp for him. He's, he's just um, 6'8", thick. You can't, you can't move him around. He's not very athletic. But the thing about him is he gets wherever he wants to go on the basketball court. Oh, yeah. Great shooter. Those guys are unstoppable in college. I really like him. Anybody else? You should check out that Michigan, that Michigan, Colorado State game um, because you'll see Roddy, and I think he can make noise. The only chance I'll miss it is if it's like either the latest game or the second or latest game. I think they are the first game. Of the tournament, I'm pretty sure. I'll have to double check that, but I think they're the first game of the NCAA tournament. Then I'll have eyes on them for sure. Absolutely. So uh, one other guy, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many players that I like a lot. I think Ron Harper Jr. Although you won't see great numbers from him, probably Ron Harper Jr. and Rutgers is one team I failed to mention that I really want to talk about. I think they could make a Final Four run. I like Rutgers. Rutgers. Interesting. They have a great big. They have a great scoring guard. Ron Harper Jr. plays the three. I think, did you see earlier in the year when they beat Purdue on the half-court buzzer beater? Yes, yes. Yeah. They have a really good team. I like Rutgers. Man, Rutgers has come a long way, too, because when I was going to college, uh, I was coming home to go to Maryland games a lot of the time, and Rutgers was like like what Georgetown is this year. Yeah. Just barely that like bad. yeah, like an easy win on the schedule. Like you don't even take warm-ups. That's what Rutgers used to be. <laughs> and to see them in the tournament playing really high level, they're competing large, in the conference yeah. every year. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, who do you have? Do you have any players we haven't mentioned? Um the Duke Wendell Moore for Duke. I think like it's underrated how dependent they are on him. As far as like a glue guy, you think? Yeah, and I always, I'm always skeptical of their guard play. I don't know if it's just watching them all these years, but he's a guy like you can clearly see they need him to play well for their guards to contribute consistently. Um, yeah. Go ahead. And he's he's old, so that's good. I think I think he's only a junior, but still, he's one of the That's couple guys on the Duke team yeah. that has experience. He's a team captain. He's he's their heart and soul. You're right. So, if he could get hot, he could open up so many things for other players on their team. AJ Griffin, for example. AJ Griffin has been cold recently. 
and they need him to heat up. So if Wendell Moore's cooking and you have to pay attention to Ben Benchero, Ben Caro, um, AJ Griffin could be left open. And if he heats up, that's when Duke becomes dangerous. Yeah. Um, another guy you mentioned briefly with Auburn, uh, Kessler. Kessler's been a, a block machine. Yeah, leads the NCAA 4.5 per game, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And he – and, man, it, it makes them so much more dynamic, explosive, and it covers up for – similar to Baylor, Baylor's athleticism makes up for a lot of their – any potential, like, flaws they have. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing. Their athleticism gets stops at such a high level that they get easy opportunities that even if they're not playing well, they're winning games. Yeah, and he's been limited the last few games with an injury. I think it's like a shoulder. He's only played 20-something minutes in, in two out of the last three games, so I'm hoping that that was more precautionary than anything. Auburn knew they were going to be a top-two seed. Yeah. So hopefully they were just holding him back a little bit and he can come back and be as effective as he has been all season. Because if he's in the middle, he's kind of like Holmgren. I mean, he is – I don't want to say the dollar store Holmgren, but – no, I, I see what you're saying. It's a little bit different, but the the kind of the the play style is is, is similar in some ways. The impact of the game they they both yeah. change the game when they're in there. Yeah. Um, that's so, really it for me uh, as far as specific players go. Yeah i I wanted to mention UAB. They played in the Conference USA. I watched the Conference USA. That's really the only conference. I watched the Mountain West, which which I mentioned. That's really the only non-Power 5 conference I watched because I went to school at Charlotte. Mm. So they play in UAB's conference. UAB has a lot of things I like. Number one, they're old. Number two, they ha- I want a guy that scores – I don't want a guy that's a ball hog necessarily, but I want a guy that scores about 20 points a game for my mid-major just because I want somebody that can go off and pull the upset. Do you feel like that's fair? Like, I know you want a balanced team, but you still want somebody that can really just go off. Nah, balanced balance teams, they can't go far, like, for the flip side of what the teams that don't have balance deal with. Yeah. You get, you get um, later into the tournament, and now when you're not shooting the ball well, you're just passing. You know, like, when you're not – when you're missing inside or not, like, you're ma- the other team is matching you physically – Again, yeah. you're just kind of – you're stuck. Right. And if you have that guy that can create his own shot. Yes. Like Jordan yes. Walker, then even if he's missing, you can get offensive rebounds. You just don't want a lot of ball turnover. Yeah. And I think Wisconsin, he's not quite the go-get-his-own-shot guy, but he's a tough shot guy. Yeah, tough shot maker, tough shot taker. And that's and that's crazy. one thing, like, they've kind of had, but never to the point where I could see them making a deep run with that. Um, now they do, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, when it gets late in the shot clock, who can you throw it to that can take one dribble, take two dribbles, get to a spot, make a shot? And that's why I think, who did I mention earlier that I was like, they oh, Providence. Providence doesn't have that. They have that balanced team. Great team. They had a great yeah. year. But in the tournament, I think you do need that. Yeah. Especially, like, you can get away with it the first round or two or maybe one round. Mm-hmm. But you can't just keep it going the whole way. You're going to run into a game. Sometimes it's not even the other team. You're just not playing well. Yeah. It's going to happen. And those teams just don't have 
something to fall back on. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, do we have anything else? What are you thinking about? Um, no, man. I, some... I think that's it. One last team I wanted to mention is Chattanooga. I wanted to mention them and failed to mention. They have the conference player of the year who's a sophomore. He averaged 21 points a game, Malachi Smith. And Chattanooga has everyone else old. They have great size. You know, most of the time you look at mid-majors and their tallest guy is 6'9". Right. You're like, okay, if they face like maybe a Purdue. Purdue, yeah, they're, they're hopeless. Right. So they have good size. They have an elite scorer. Um, the thing is, you look at the teams they're playing. I mean, they're playing Kofi Coburn in Illinois. So do I really want to pick them to beat Illinois? Not really. But I could see it happening. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I have, man. I mean, I basically I think the bottom line is it's going to be crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? I got to ask before we get out of here, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget this. Who the hell is Auburn playing in the first round? <laughs> Let me look. Let me look here. Jacksonville State. Okay. So, North Carolina legend Brandon Huffman. <laughs> I don't know if you've watched North Carolina, but every time he touched the ball, he would travel. And no offense to him, I I don't want to I don't want to beat him up too bad, but he ended up transferring from North Carolina to Jacksonville State. And so now he's playing his former teammate Walker Kessler in the first round. Um yeah. Could could get ugly. I don't know anything about them other than the fact that Brandon Huffman plays for him. Yeah, it was interesting. It was one of the few teams I'm like, I'm not really, I don't, this is not a familiar like program that I've seen in this, in this spot. Wow, like, are they new to Division One basketball? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but all right, man, I, I appreciate you for coming on. Uh, thank you for your expertise, your feedback. Uh, it's, it's an exciting month coming up. Absolutely. I can't wait, man. I appreciate you having me on. It was a fun talk. Um, yeah. I'm sure we'll have some old takes exposed to visit in a, in a of month. Of course. Always. Always. <laughs> Hopefully not. But, um, yeah, man, I mean, it's going to be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. And we'll be out. All right. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Um, We will be back with more March Madness coverage, both tournaments, men's and women's. As always, thanks for listening. Subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. We have merch on imstripe.com slash noclupodcast. Follow us on YouTube, available on all platforms. Share it. Tell your friends. Enjoy. Hope we helped you fill out your bracket. Um, And thanks for listening. See you guys next time.